Uh, let me tell you what's about to happen. At the end of this sermon, you won't be inspired to rush home and get stuck into some kind of Christian living because this sermon is a bit of Bible background study that will inform your mind, maybe throw some light onto a tricky passage of the Bible and hopefully give some insights in how to read tricky parts of the Bible. Now, you and I read books of many different kinds of genres. We read fiction and non-fiction. We read books that are technical and we read books that are escapist. We read romances, adventures, historical dramas, westerns, detective novels, science fiction. But nowhere do we read any apocalyptic. Good word, apocalyptic. It means an unveiling, a revealing. Uh, And so when somebody lays a foundation stone and they take the veil off, apocalyptic, it's been revealed. The gospel reading that we just finished from Mark 13 is apocalyptic literature. It contains strange ideas, weird visions and unsettling aspects. Apocalyptic is a particular sort of Jewish literature in the Bible. Mark chapter 13 is one of the most difficult chapters in the New Testament for us modern Western readers to understand because Mark chapter 13 is one of the most Jewish chapters that was ever written in the Bible. From beginning to end, It's using terms of Jewish history and Jewish ideas. All through, Jesus is using terms and pictures that were really familiar to the Jews of his day. But to us in our day, these terms and pictures are really very strange. Now, Mark chapter 13 is also the source of many ideas about the second coming of Jesus. Some Christians nod their heads in the direction of the thought that Jesus is coming again. But other Christians are almost obsessed with it and they can become unbalanced about it. So there are three things I hope that you've already picked up in this talk. (laughs) Number one, Mark 13 is a thoroughly Jewish chapter. Number two, it is apocalyptic literature. And number three, it's about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have slipped back into school teacher mode, you will notice. Lying in the background of Mark 13 is the Jewish idea of the day of the Lord. The Jews never doubted that they were God's chosen people. And all the way through the Old Testament, we have the idea of the covenant. And that assured them that they were God's chosen people. As one philosopher said once, how odd of God to choose the Jews. But God did. And the Jews never doubted that one day they would occupy the place that they deserved as God's covenant people. But they knew that they would never get there by human means. They didn't have a big enough army. They didn't have strong enough politicians. So they believed that in the end, God would intervene in history and God would win their rightful place for them. And the day when God would intervene for the Jews is called 
the day of the Lord. But before that day arrived, there would be a time of terror and trouble. And the day of the Lord itself would be a shattering time when the world would be shaken to its foundations, the Jews believed, and God's judgment would come, the Jews believed. But those troubles would be followed by a wonderful new age, a new world and new glory for the Jews. It was terrific optimism. The Jews were certain that God would break in. But there was also terrible pessimism because the day of the Lord was based on the idea that the world was completely bad and only its complete destruction would be good enough for God's new order to come. The Jews did not look for reformation of the world. They looked for a complete remoulding and a complete recreating of the whole scheme of things. Now, the Old Testament had various references to this sort of thing. Uh, the prophet Amos, wailing shall be in all the broadways, in all the vineyards shall be wailing, for I, the Lord, pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. And please don't ever read the prophet Joel. Joel is a right proper misery guts about the day of the Lord. Oh, did I say that? The, the day of the Lord is a day of darkness. I will show wonders in the heaven and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Oh, it's a lovely book. So all through Mark chapter 13, Jesus was speaking the language and using the imagery and showing the apparatus of apocalyptic literature and trying to help his Jewish hearers to understand. And he was working with ideas that he and the Jews knew. But he knew and they knew and we have to learn that these things were only pictures, only images, for no one knew what God would do when God broke through. These images are not meant to be taken literally. They are meant as impressionistic pictures. They're meant as seer's visions designed to impress upon people the greatness of the event when it would come. School teacher. We have seen those three things before. Mark 13 is very Jewish. It's apocalyptic literature. It's about the second coming of Jesus. Let's add to those three things the Jewish idea of the day of the Lord that would bring in the Jews' victory, a day pictures our darkness and disaster, and also the fact that these images are not to be taken literally. They are Jewish images from the Old Testament. And there's another slightly revolutionary thought here. Jesus in Mark 13 is not giving us a timetable of future events that will precede his second coming. Nor is Jesus giving us a map of eternity Jesus is simply using the language and the pictures that most Jewish people knew and prophets had used for centuries before Jesus. Now there are some Christians I know who when they hear on the news about earthquakes or volcanic eruptions or solar or lunar eclipses or floods or bushfires, they immediately think Jesus' second coming is just around the corner. 
they regard natural disasters as God's timetable. But Mark 13 is not a scientific statement. It is not a meteorological analysis. And it is not a commentary on political or military happenings. It's a Jewish presentation of a Jewish hope that Jewish ascendancy will be achieved. But with all that in mind, Mark 13 is speaking about Jesus' second coming in very Jewish terms. We're going to uh, make some sense of all this because we're going to say something very shortly that rings true from Mark 13. Because what Mark 13 is all about for us is in the words that we use in the Nicene Creed Sunday by Sunday, he will come again in glory. Or in the Apostles' Creed, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, from there he will come. It's an article of our faith that the second coming of Christ will be a certain event on future history. For many of us, we will meet Christ at the time of our physical death. For others, yet unborn perhaps, the second coming of Christ will be a future cosmic event of history, wrapping up the earth as we know it. The important thing in Jesus' teaching is not trying to work out a timetable of events or predicting a date. The important thing is that we are ready when we will meet Christ. Jesus' parable of the talents has this teaching. Be ready to meet him and be faithful now in doing what we do with our talents. Jesus' parable of the wedding feast is also has this teaching. Being ready to meet the heavenly bridegroom when he comes. Jesus' parable of the prepared householder has this teaching. Be prepared. Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids has this teaching. Be prepared to meet him when he comes. There is no timetable revealed in astronomy or cosmology or meteorology in Mark 13. Our task as Christians is to worship and live and work for the kingdom of God now and to be ready when he comes and calls us to a heavenly home, whenever that may be.